Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I moved things around in the service because I felt like that needed to be part of the proclamation of the gospel, but boy, does that mean I have to preach after it. (laughs) Easier said than done. Thank you. Once upon a time, there was a boy. I know that sounds like the beginning of a story that isn't true, but I assure you, this one is quite true. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Phil, and he was profoundly, profoundly disabled by autism. The world is an overwhelming place for children like Phil. And the world in December nearly did him in. His mother wrote, he could not handle the changing scenarios, the twinkling lights, the changes in grocery store displays, the changes in the sanctuary at church, presents appearing under the tree, the tree itself, and the moved furniture. He would fall on the floor and scream, unable to move, afraid to open his eyes, almost constantly from Thanksgiving until well over Christmas when it was all over. Worship on Christmas Eve was overcrowded but hushed, not a good combination for our Phil. Christmas celebrations at home were a nightmare. Phil would scream and cry as each package was moved and unwrapped. As frightened as he was when each new thing appeared, he was equally frightened when it changed or disappeared. We'd try to find him a present he'd enjoy, but he'd cry in panic at the intrusion on his carefully ordered world. And the gifts would sit ignored until he outgrew them, And we gave them to some little boy who could appreciate them. Christmas after Christmas, this was the case. Now I need to interrupt this story to tell you a little bit about who I was once upon a time when I first read it. I was a brand new pastor with a shiny new graduate degree in theology. I didn't yet have children, but I had loads of opinions, particularly about the commercialization of Christmas. I was practically Puritan in my rejection of consumerist Christmas. The Puritans, you may recall, actually experimented with banning Christmas as a pagan holiday, having nothing to do with the birth of Christ. It was in their minds a festival with no biblical justification and a time of wasteful and immoral behavior. As far as I was concerned, the most wasteful and immoral behavior of all was the endless materialism of the last month of the year. So yes, that's who I was when I read these words by Phil's mom. Phil wanted nothing. 
He would look straight at toys we thought he would like, and he would not. He would not react at all. He asked for nothing. He anticipated nothing. He just screamed and cried at all of it. It is no bliss to have a child who doesn't get it, who doesn't want anything and doesn't want to have anything to do with Christmas commercialism, or it is only bliss in some romantic fantasy. In reality, life, in real life, this is a surreal nightmare. So my sanctimonious self was thoroughly chastened. The year he was 10 years old, Phil asked for a PlayStation 2 and some games to go with it. It's funny how something so ordinary could become a miracle, but there it is. It was a miracle that Phil wanted something. It was a miracle that he even wanted to receive it wrapped in paper and tied in a bow on Christmas morning. You better believe that Phil got what he wanted for Christmas that year. And so did his mother, a child who was filled with joy. We often talk about Advent in terms of waiting. It is a season of preparation, of expectation, of anticipation for all the gifts the Christ child brings. But Advent is also a season of wanting, a season of longing. And there can be something unmistakably holy about our heart's desires. We want so many things. We want the gift, of course, but we want really the love and attention it represents. We want the Christmas dinner to turn out right, for the relatives to get along, for the children's faces to light up when they see their stockings. We want to sing our favorite carols, recreate all of our favorite traditions, and eat our favorite Christmas cookies. We want all these things, but really these things are just the tip of the iceberg. We have desires tucked away in the deepest parts of our souls, so powerful they can scarcely be expressed in mere words. The mother longs for the baby who is so beloved, yet unconceived. The brother yearns for his sister to be released from the grip of addiction and depression. The broken-hearted community irrationally wishes the tragedy could somehow unhappen. We want so many things. It strikes me that longing, desire, is at the very heart of creation, woven into the physics of the world. Think of gravity, the tug of gravity is a longing. That gravity beckons to the clouds, calling the snow to come down. Years ago, I encountered a description of the voice of Patsy Cline. 
Her voice is an unrequited love of a heartsick suspension bridge for the river that flows beneath it. The unrequited love of a heartsick suspension bridge for the river that flows beneath it. That's how much longing and desire are woven into the physics of creation. And we are part of that. We want so many things. And when it all comes down to it, our wanting is for things to be made right. As painful as it can be to want, there is something profoundly sacred about longing for redemption and reconciliation and restoration. St. Augustine believed that the whole life of the good Christian is a holy longing. That is our life, according to St. Augustine, to be trained by longing. And if we're going to talk about the place of longing in the season of Advent, we have to talk about not only our desire, but God's desire. Our longing for things to be made right is quaint compared to the magnitude of God's eagerness for the same. The Christmas story culminates with a creator who cares so fiercely for creation that he enfolds himself into a baby born as any other, covered in blood and vernix and crying for milk. And the Christmas story doesn't end in that stable. The advent for which we wait, for which we prepare, and yes, for which we long, is the one that has already been promised to us, but has not yet been fulfilled. And that's why I can't get through the month of December, or the book of Isaiah, for that matter, without revisiting the book of Revelation. That last book of the Bible is literature of longing. It is an impassioned cry for God to break the heavens open and fix this mess. It is literature not for the first advent of Christ, but for the second advent of Christ. The author of Revelation echoes Matthew's promise of God with us, Emmanuel. The author of Revelation echoes Isaiah's vision of the ransomed of the Lord singing with everlasting joy on their heads. I can picture it. Everlasting joy. Collective effervescence on their heads. Revelation goes like this. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. Revelation also speaks of trumpets. Blowing. 
This is why that odd and beautiful song we heard a few moments ago strikes me as one of the most richly Adventish songs I've ever heard. There are seven trumpets in the book of Revelation. I think of them as akin to the four candles of Advent. Each of those trumpets sounds us a little bit closer to God, a little bit closer to redemption, a little bit closer to the fulfillment of every holy desire. The seventh trumpet is the climax, the consummation. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. That is the gratification of every longing. That is the satisfaction of every desire, the fulfillment of every hope. That too is the undoing of every devastation. That is God's final aim, as the songwriter wrote, to fill with joy the earth that man all but destroyed. And so we pray that Advent prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.